So every year, Pastor Vicki and I go someplace called the New York State Fair, and we always have a good time. And one of the things that we look forward to every year is going to the equine building, which is the horse building. And I used to not like it because I used to think horses are stinky and stuff, but it's, it turns out that for myself, I found out that they're beautiful, magnificent creatures. We like to get the opportunity to get close to them, to check them out, even sometimes to pet them. And this is me petting one of the horses this year. It wasn't too big. It was sort of a smaller horse. But one of the things that amazes me is sometimes leading up, getting up to those Clyde, Clydedales and whatever they're called, and they're bigger horses, and they're just amazing to look at. They're magnificent creatures. Another thing that I noticed this year is how the owners of the horses move them from the trailers into the buildings and then from the buildings back into the trailers. And one of the things that I noticed is that they tie them together. So a lead horse will have a horse behind it that's tied to him and he'll do that kind of like in a line like this picture here. And it dawned on me that this is very similar to how we follow Jesus and how we disciple one another. Every horse here has a horse to follow, and that horse is leading another horse. And if one of those horses wasn't following another horse and wasn't tied to the rest of the team, that horse and the rest of them that are behind them could have a tendency to fall away, slip away, or even get lost. And for us, discipleship is very similar. In fact, it's the same way. And here's our, one of our truths here this morning that we're going to be learning that each one of us should be following someone in Christ and be leading someone to Christ. Now, why is it important that we follow someone in Christ and also lead someone to Christ? Why is it important to have relationships like this in our lives? Well, this morning, we're going to take a look in the Bible to find out why from the lives of Paul and Timothy. So please, if you have your Bibles now, feel free to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 3. They're in your handouts, and they'll also be up here on the screen. Let's read it out. Timothy, my, uh, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses now to teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others, to pass them on to others. What we just read is a portion of the second letter that Paul has written Timothy. This letter is bursting with encouragement from Paul to Timothy because at this time in the early church, Timothy is essentially a pastor now. He's a young dude, right? But there was a lot of stuff happening in the early church at this time that he was going through. So Paul, from his prison cell in Rome, is trying to encourage his younger disciple, Timothy. So he wrote him, wrote him this second letter here. In the beginning of the letter, Paul warmly greets him from his prison cell, right, calling Timothy his quote-unquote beloved child. Now, obviously, Timothy isn't the blood child of Paul, but he's a spiritual child. And then parts to, Paul starts to reminisce about his memories of Timothy. He's recalling these things as he's writing him of his spiritual beginnings. And then he reflects about how genuine how sincere of a faith Timothy has in Jesus. So we can see here, just in this short introduction of 2 Timothy, that Paul, he cares. He cares deeply for Timothy, as a father would care for a son. 
And it's clear that they have a past history with one another. They've endured a lot with one another. They've gone through some things of life. They've been on missions trips together. They've journeyed together. They've planted churches together. They have lived life with one another. But as we dig a little bit deeper, we can see that Paul and Timothy's relationship, it doesn't just resemble a father and son relationship, but elsewhere in the New Testament, we find out from Romans that Paul refers to Timothy as a coworker. That's what he calls him. Then elsewhere in the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians, Paul uh, calls Timothy a brother. So Paul and Timothy clearly are friends. They love each other. They're buddies. They had an established friendship and cared for one another. Now, many times when I hear the story of Paul and Timothy, I have to say that a lot of times the, the, the story of that tends to focus in on the relationship that Timothy is being discipled by Paul. But even though that is true, the focus should be equally on Paul who is discipling Timothy. This friendship just isn't one-sided. From this story of their friendship, we can clearly see that they need one another. Paul is leading Timothy, sure, but Timothy is being led by Paul. Paul in our text in verse two says, you have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Then he goes on further to say, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So Paul here is saying, right, that Timothy has been learning from him. Yeah, Paul was teaching him about Jesus. He was preaching the good news of the gospel to him. And now Paul here is further encouraging Timothy, Timothy to teach the gospel to others so that others might be able to continue to pass on that gospel message, the truth of Jesus. This is a very clear picture of how discipleship works, and that's what we're leaning into here this morning in our next-gen service. Each one of us, here's the truth again, each one of us should be following someone in Christ, but also leading someone to Christ. We need these types of active relationships in our lives. If we wanna live out our mission here at Trinity, of making disciples for the good, uh, the glory of our God and the good of our community, we need to have these ongoing, active, regular relationships in our lives because here's the other truth. Everyone needs a Paul and everyone needs a Timothy. Everyone needs a Paul in their life and everyone needs a Timothy in their life. If you're taking notes this morning, if you have that bulletin, this is where we start. The first point is, Everyone needs a Paul. We all need someone like Paul who, was, who will spiritually care for us and disciple us. Why? Because having a Paul in our lives means that we need somebody to invest in us, that that person, that that Paul is willing to invest in our lives. And what will that require of someone? What's the investment? Well, the main thing is, is it's going to require what? A lot of time. It's going to require a lot of time. And time, right, is really hard to come by these days. How many of your lives are full? How many of your schedules are full? Do you have a bunch of extra time on your hands? I'm sure even for you kids and teens that your schedules are full. Adults alike, our time is valuable to us. Our schedules are full. Can you relate, right? There's school for you kids and teenagers, right? You've got a lot on your plates, and I'm sure that you're involved in sports, I'm sure that you're involved in music or recitals. Some of you take karate. Some of you take jiu-jitsu. I know these things. Some of you teenagers are involved in fine arts. You've got fine arts practices. You'll have them soon. Those dates, those practices on your calendar soon, it's going to fill up. For you adults, you have your careers. 
You've got your on-the-job trainings. You've got your conferences. You have your out-of-town work. You've got your home improvements, your car troubles, your doctor's appointments, your marriage seminars coming up real soon, which you should sign up for, right? And also, for all of us, we've got our Minnesota Vikings games to watch. Woo! Probably not. That's really only me here. I know I'm kind of like... <laughs> I know there's a lot of Patriots fans here. But our lives are full. They're full. Our schedules are full. The calendars are full. But discipleship, but discipleship needs to be a regular part of our lives and not just to add on or attack on where can I fit so-and-so into our schedules. No, they need to be a regular part of our life. Paul didn't force Timothy into his schedule. He didn't look at his, his, his iCal and like say, hey man, where am I gonna fit you in? No, he was woven. He was integrated right into Paul's life. And when discipleship happens like that, a person doesn't need to be forced into our schedules, but instead we simply make time for them. To put it short and to put it bluntly, you invite them on your journeys. That's what we should do. Spending time with them should be easy. So what else do the Pauls of our lives invest to those that they are discipling like the Timothys of their life? Well, they invest their experience. They invest their wisdom into them as well. And Paul was a seasoned vet Christ follower. As many of you guys might know, Paul wasn't a Christian his whole life, but he was a Pharisee, in fact. You know what? And he was persecuting Christians up until his conversion experience. But before that, he was a Pharisee, so he knew God's word already. He lived a long life. He had a lot of experience before he became a Christian. But Paul was all about sharing his life with others, and obviously with Timothy. He shared his wisdom. He shared his experiences with Timothy, and this is the thing about experience. Experience is a gift. It is. It can't be bought. It can't be bought. It's not a wrapped present that you have and you wrap it and tie a bow on it and extend it out to somebody and then give it to them. No, but it is costly. Experience is costly. It's costly because more than likely it costs that older and wiser person pain and discomfort when they went through their life and they tried things over and they failed at things and they learned things along the way. And experience from the Pauls in our lives probably felt more like curses when they went through them. But the blessing, here it is, the blessing in experience comes from when the Pauls of your life are able to share those with the Timothys so they can learn from you. And here's the cool thing. When the Timothys of your life are sitting at your table and under your teaching and listening to your words, what does it do for them? What does it do for the Pauls that are actually sharing that. It energizes them because they're getting to share about themselves, but it also encourages them because they're so grateful to be able to share that with those because they care for you as their Timothy. The Pauls in the world, they want to see the Timothys win. They want to see them succeed. They want to see them and the Timothys in their world belong and believe in Jesus, and that's the heart of discipleship. They want to see the Timothys in their world truly know Christ and grow in Christ. Everyone needs a Paul. Every kid, children, you all need a Paul in your life. Teens, you all need a Paul in your life. And adults, same thing goes for us. We need a Paul in your life. Who are the Pauls in your life? They guide us. They're wiser than us. They're more experienced than us. They encourage us. And here's the kicker. They do have the authority and should have the authority to speak into all of our lives. Who are the Pauls in your life? Number two, here's our second point for this morning. 
Everyone needs a Timothy. Everyone needs a Timothy. We all need to have a Timothy in our lives where we can imitate the discipleship process that we are under, what we, could, we can share with them what we've been taught. The Timothys in our lives need to mature. They need to grow in Christ and need to be regularly reminded and guided in their walk with Christ. So our primary concern when discipling the Timothys of our lives shouldn't just be uh, you know, caring, you know, wondering if they're ill or anything, but we need to be caring for their hearts, directing and redirecting their hearts to Jesus, to Christ. How do we do that? Well, we all need, this is for all of us here, we all need to be constantly and regularly pouring out encouragement into them, into the Timothys, speaking life-giving words to them. But the bottom line is we need to live out our lives in such a way that we can show them that we are a genuine product of the grace that's in Jesus, amen? We need to live that out and show them that. We also need to be going to the throne of grace. We need to be praying for them. You need to pray for the Timothys of your life by name, and if you're not, I encourage you, maybe that's a great next step for you this morning, is to start praying for those Pauls, or excuse me, those Timothys in your life, the ones that you know, the ones that are younger that need to be discipled. Pray for them, go to them, go to the throne of grace and pray for them, each by name. Now here's the thing too, each one of us is a leader, whether we think it or not, you are a leader, kids, teens, and adults. There are Timothys all around us who need a Paul. So you are leading someone whether you are aware of it or not. Find those Timothys around you. Look around, ask God to help point those people out in your life. If you don't have a Timothy, or for you ladies, a Timothea, I actually Googled that. I looked for the feminine name of Timothy and it popped up Timothea. I kind of like it. Maybe it's, maybe it's a prophecy, honey. But uh, ask God to send you one. Where are they? Are you inviting them into your homes? Are they here? Are they sitting next to you here in church? Where are they? Identify them and find them. And then fight for those people and pray for them. Reach out to them. Check in with them. Maybe send them an encouraging text. Surprise them. And then feed them. Feed those people the spiritual milk of God's word and then feed them real meals. So what you're doing with that is that you're filling their bellies and also filling their hearts. Do life with them and don't let them slip away and fall through the cracks because it's very easy to lose track of your Timothys. If you're not regularly checking in with them, who are they? Have you heard from them in a while? I encourage you, reach out to them, check in with them regularly, do life with them and invite them in on your journeys. Each one of us should be following someone in Christ and also be leading someone to Christ. Everyone needs a Timothy. Every kid, every teenager, every adult, we need a Timothy. God desires us. He desires us to be pouring out our life into the Timothys in our lives. And you know what? Here's the thing. They help us on our spiritual journeys. For you, everyone here is a Paul too. They help us. The Timothys in our lives, they help us as Paul's in our spiritual journeys. They help us mature too, but here's the thing. More importantly, they need us to disciple them. They need you. They need you to disciple them. Who are the Timothys in your life? Who are you discipling? Identify them out, seek them out, and a great next step for you is to start praying for them on a daily basis. Are you aware that you're a Timothy though, yourself? Are you aware that you're actually following someone in Jesus? So, what does it take to be discipled. So Pastor Vicki's gonna come up now, give her a round of applause. She's gonna walk us through and talk us through about the heart to have as a Timothy. Thank you, Lilia. Hiya. 
uh, isn't it cool that we get to be a part of each other's lives? That we, and you know what's neat is that at different times in your life, whoop, you okay? okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lilia, you're so sweet. At different times in your life, you're going to be both a Paul and a Timothy. So it's good to, um, it's good that we get to share our lives with one another and be a part of that. You guys all set? Awesome. So this morning I was thinking, what are two characteristics that a Timothy should have and uh, that would help them as someone's trying to disciple them and lead them and uh, encourage them? And so the two things that I thought of, and they kind of go together, are that you should be teachable and you should be humble as a Timothy. So first, let's talk about what it means to be teachable. All it means is that we're willing to be taught, that our hearts are open that we're open to God and we're open to whoever he brings into our lives to help us grow. And um, being teachable is not so much a matter of your mind, but it's a matter of your heart. Because we're all teachable. We can all learn. But it's more a matter of our choices and what we decide, if we choose to obey, if we choose to be teachable. So Jason and I, if um, most of you probably know this, but we love our dog. We have a little three-year-old dog named Chester. He's a Labradoodle. And the picture on the, um, on the one side is him on the bathtub, and he was younger then. That's before he learned he did not like baths. Uh, now he won't even come near the tub. But uh, Chester, when he was l- young, he learned things pretty quickly, you know? He learned um, the words that make him excited, that, like, means fun things are coming, like go or walk or outside um, or even treat. So, like, if he were in the room right now, he'd hear me saying these words, and he'd be like, you know, what's happening? His head would be tilting. That's what he does when he gets excited. He's like, what? Um, so we, he also learned some commands. What's the most common dog command that they learn? Sit. To sit, yes. So Chester knows how to sit. He knows how to give you his paw. He knows how to lay down and roll over. Um, but there's one, there's one command that we've always struggled with, with Chester, and that is come, okay? And for a long time, we're like, man, this dog is just not getting it. Like, you know, he sees something and he gets distracted. He sees a kid playing because he loves children. So he sees a kid playing and he won't, like, come here, Chester. You know, we've tried saying it firm and we've tried being like, come on, buddy. And it's nothing works. Nothing works. Um, or if he sees, like, somebody uh, walking another dog or he's begging at the table for scraps, we cannot distract this dog. So um, after three years now, we've learned that it's not so much that he doesn't know what the command means. It's more that he's choosing not to obey it, right? He knows what it means when we say, come here. Uh, But he's like, "Mm, I don't think so. I like something else better over here. Um, But it's like that with us too, isn't it? Sometimes we can choose whether or not we want to obey, We can choose whether or not we want to listen to God's voice or listen to the people in our lives that are trying to help us along. Now, Caleb, can you hold up that item that I gave you? What is that item, guys? Yeah, it's a rock. That's right. Pretty simple. It was not a trick question or anything. Um, Can you take that rock, Caleb, and make it into something else in your hand right now? Can you squish it between your fingers or change its shape, change it into a square? No. It's too solid. Exactly. It's too hard. Um, It can't be squished. It can't be molded into something different. Now, what does Penny have over here? She has Play-Doh. That's right. How about that Play-Doh? Can that be changed into something else? Like, can you make that into a ball? Can you press it flat against the table? Yeah. Why is that? Because it's soft. It can be molded, right? Our hearts can be one of these two ways as people are trying to teach us and guide us. They can either be tough 
or they can be moldable and really soft. And, and what, what happens when we have a teachable spirit and teachable heart is that um, we get formed into what God wants us to be. You know, he's able to shape and form our hearts and become the person that he wants us to be. Now, Bible expert Penny, do you have a verse for us about being teachable? You do. Thank you. Can you read it for us? If you ignore criticism or end you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you will be honored. Great reading, Bible expert Penny. Thank you. Very good. Those were some tough words, weren't they? So this verse is talking about correction and criticism. And in most discipleship relationships that you're going to have, like whether you're Paul or Timothy, there's going to be a time where you might have to have a tough conversation, you know, a heart-to-heart, as they say. And um, those are tough to have. But um, a person who is teachable will take that kind of correction and then grow from it, right? They will, they'll take it in stride and they'll say, yeah, you're right, and they'll move on. They'll move, they'll grow from the experience. It's important to be teachable as a Timothy. Now, Everyone, you're sitting in a seat, but I want you to feel under your seat and look for something for me. There are some things hidden under your seats. Now, kids in the room, if you see empty seats, go and look for whatever might be underneath. And then can you bring them up front? You're not looking for chewing gum, uh, you know, like chewed up chewing gum. You're actually looking for something. There's actually something under there that you need, that we need. And when you find those items, bring it up front. Nice, Michael's got one. Come on over here, Michael. And we're going to spell out something with these words. Nice, good. <laughs> yes, you do, Ms. Robin. All right, we got them? Good, Ariana's got one. So does Evelyn. Very good. All right, so let's, let's see what this spells out. Oh, we got double E's. H-E-M, Hemble. Hemble. Oh, there's the U. That's what we were missing. Thank you. Was this under your seat? Thank you, Rachel. Yes. So you're actually going to go where Ariana is. And since we have double E's, Ariana, can you come down here? And we're going to be humble like that. Very good. So what does this word spell? It spells humble. Thank you, guys. As a Timothy, you are going to need to be humble. So can you make a nice pile of those on the edge of the stage here, my friends? Thank you. Very good. Something you definitely need when you're being discipled is to be humble. The word humble just means that you don't think too much of yourself, you know, that you listen more than you talk, that you care more about creating peace in your relationships than being right, okay? That's a tough one. You don't go around saying, oh, look at me, I'm so humble, right? Because then you're kind of drawing attention to yourself, and that's not very humble of you. So what does it mean to be humble? What does it matter? Well, I think God's word has something to say about that. So Bible expert Caleb, do you have a verse for us on humility or being humble? He's already got it open. Very good. Can you read it for us? In the same way, you who are younger must accept authority of your elders. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Very nice, Bible expert Caleb. Thank you for reading that for us. So this verse teaches us a couple things about being humble. Everyone hold up a finger, one finger. 
The first thing that this verse teaches us is that if you are younger, you should accept the authority of the elders. That's what it says. You can put your finger down. Basically, that means that we need to listen to and respect people that are older than us. These elders, as the Bible calls them, um, are, have years of wisdom. They've experienced things that we haven't yet. And um, so we need to listen to them because they could share with us their experiences. The next thing that this verse tells us about humility is that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. What is the opposite of something high? Low, that's right. And the Bible gives us an opposite here. It says the opposite of humility is pride and being full of yourself, full of pride. It's okay to be proud of yourself when you do a good job at something. So I want us to refer to our pride-o-meter that we have here, okay? Now, there's a safe area of being proud, and then there's a danger zone up here. And you may not be able to read these bubbles, but there's some thoughts and then some things that you might say. So if you were, like, thinking, wow, I can do this pretty well, that's okay. If you're thinking, I've worked really hard, if you say that, then that's a good thing too. But once you get into like the middle area where I deserve it, you start thinking that or you think or you say, I can do that on my own. Like I don't need help from somebody. You're starting to creep up in the danger zone, right? And this one, you're thinking, I'm the most important. Like why wouldn't I? I'm the most important person. Or you start saying, nobody can do that better than me. This is the danger zone. And pride is funny because you might think that you don't have a lot of pride, but then you like say something or think something and you're like, whoa. <laughs> you're like, whoa, I might have an issue with pride. Um, so we, we need to know that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That means that he can't work with us if we're full of pride. You know, we're like that rock. Our heart is like that rock and we just can't be molded or shaped by him. You know, the, pri the pride, he doesn't, he doesn't work with people that are prideful like that. Um, now, here are some ways, some practical things. I'm going to ask you some questions. I don't want you to answer them out loud. You know, just answer them in your heart and think them through because uh, our neighbors don't need to know what's going on, um, all of your secrets here. Um, number one, are you appreciating the talents that other people have? Are you encouraging them in the gifts that, that you see them demonstrating? Or do you compare yourself to them, thinking, you know, I could probably do that better? Do you ask for help when you need it? Or do you think, I could do this by myself. I don't need, I don't need anybody to help me. That's a weak one for me. That's a, that's a soft spot for me. Number three, do you help others before you help yourself? Or do you just take care of your own needs? Don't worry about them. Well, that's their problem. That's not my problem. This is one of our rules in kids' church, isn't it? You guys recognize that? The rule is to think of others before you think of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. It's good to learn while we're young, but we still struggle it as, as grown-ups, don't we? Um, and then the last thing is, do you ask the Holy Spirit for help? Like, is that your first response? Or is it like, you struggle, 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 fight, fight, try, 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 and then you're like, okay, I can't do this anymore. God, I need your help, you know? Or do you ask him right away? Um, when, you, when you see a struggle coming, are you like, okay, Holy Spirit, I really need you now? Um, because that shows that you're humble and you're not trying to work in your own strength, right? We need help from the Holy Spirit because sometimes we don't see the ways that we have pride in our lives. We don't notice them. Sometimes we don't see our flaws, right? You see other people's flaws, but you don't see your own. And, um, and pride is sneaky. It starts okay, but then it can grow and it can escalate. So we have to watch out for that. 
If we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus, we need to be teachable and humble. But this is going to benefit every single relationship in your life. If you're humble and you're putting the other person first and, um, and, you're, and you're encouraging them and all of these things, you can grow in your relationships with others as well. We need to learn that from the people that have gone before us and be humble because that will enrich our relationships. Jesus is so good to us. He's so humble. And I think about when his time that he spent on earth, he was so generous with his time. He was so generous with his attention. He was always putting the needs of others before his own, you know. Um, He served and he led and he loved and he poured his life into his disciples. And ultimately, he sacrificed his life. You know, he gave it all. He gave everything for us. And these are little things, these like minor things about being teachable and humble. Um, But in discipleship, in a Paul and Timothy relationship, it requires some sacrifice, but it's totally worth the effort. It's worth it if we just work on our hearts and work on being humble and being teachable. I'm going to close in prayer. God, we're so thankful for this morning and what you're teaching us and how um, your Holy Spirit is speaking to us right now. God, I ask for um, help for my friends and I as we, um, we work to keep our hearts soft like Play-Doh. Give us Play-Doh hearts, God. And um, help us to be moldable and teachable and humble. And uh, thank you for this service where we can learn and we can grow. And, uh, and we give you all the praise and thanks, Jesus, in your name. Amen. <laughs>